Welcome back to another episode of the Best Minutes Podcast. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1946 William Wyler-directed film The Best Years of Our Lives, one minute of screen time per episode. I am Jake Lewitt. And I'm Mark Hoffmeyer. And we host Deep Blue Sea, the podcast. On this episode, we're discussing minute 156 of The Best Years of Our Lives. The minute starts with Pat finishing summoning Hortense to tell her to listen and sit down, and ends with Pat taking off his glasses, having just read Fred's letter of commendation. That drag that he takes from the cigarette after reading about his uh, his son's accomplishments in the war, it's pretty impressive. It's a really dramatic drag of a cigarette, I would say. It is, it is. And it made me think, if he was in a shark movie, Jay, (laughs) he would be eaten. Yeah, that shark would go straight for that. Well, he wouldn't get a chance to take the drag. The shark would get him before, (laughs) before the cigarette makes it to his mouth. He'd be, he'd be gone. Which is a shame, because this is, there's is some stellar letter reading in this movie. Man, I'm telling you, the letter reading in this, I was, you know, I watched it once, and I watched Pat reading, and then I flipped it over, and I watched Hortense, uh, uh, Gladys George's acting to it, and she did a great job, and I liked the framing of it, as the what door frames in the middle of them. And also, Roman uh, Bonin, his IMDb pictures, him smoking a pipe. <laughs> So I wonder if that was his thing. Give me my cigarette. I wonder if John Travolta patterned his cigarette smoking in Pulp Fiction, Broken Arrow, Face Off, and Swordfish, and Punisher after Mr. Roman. I hadn't picked up on how much Travolta smokes in films. Wait, oh, so you one of my earliest posts that I wrote that got national attention, it got picked up by the Independent and a, a bunch of different websites, but I wrote about the evolution of Travolta's smoking okay. in his villainous roles. So in Pulp Fiction, it's a Tarantino movie, so he looks cool. It looks like, hey, I'm smoking a cigarette, I'm cool. But then he goes to Broken Arrow, and he's chain-smoking constantly. Boxing match, smoking, after the boxing match, smoking. Walking in slow motion after an explosion, smoking. In a car, smoking. Always smoking. But he does it in this weird way where... He has, like, it's like he's trying to scissor the thing, like, the way he's holding it. It's very stylized. And then he goes to face-off, where it looks like he's about to play darts with a cigarette. <laughs> That's the way he's holding it. He's like, I'm the king. And he smokes it. It looks like he's about to throw it at a dartboard. Swordfish, he p- kind of places it under. Like, he does a weird, like, he takes his hand and, like, puts it, like, it's between his pointer finger and thumb, but it's sort of, they're facing not the way you think. Like, you know, when you eat, they're towards your face, but he flips them around and smokes like that. Very weird. And then in The Punisher, he's in Tampa, which is the home of cigars, and he smokes a pipe. So his evolution of evil smoking, it's all, all different. All five of those are different. And he just evolved his smoking to them. Okay, wow. <laughs> and how, how, would, uh, how does Roman Bonin's smoking compare? Where would oh, fit into that scale? It's just more natural. Everything about Travolta smoking in the, those movies are just like, hey, look at me. <laughs> Romans is just, man, that was heavy. I need a, I need a drag. Yeah, it's, it's not showy. It's just, yeah. it's, he's just taking, having a cigarette. It's, it's natural, it's, as you say. It seems like a bit of a crutch because after he reads all that, he's like, man, I need to smoke. So the dependency is there. <laughs> but... But it, 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 you know what I mean? Like, so, you know, some people are like, I need a drink. Like, he's like, I need a puff. Yeah. So he's always smoking. And you know where he is. I don't know. If you work with him, he's probably taking three breaks an hour. <laughs> three an hour? Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> Every 20 minutes. Imagine that. You're an employee with someone else, and you both, you don't smoke, but the other person does, but then you get paid the same amount. Would yeah, you be it's mad? terrible. I, I, I've never smoked, and I have colleagues who do, and it's, it's awful. I think in Japan they took time off if you took a smoking break. Let's do it, Jay. Let's it start a revolution. It See, in, in the UK, if, you, if you're a regular smoker and you quit smoking, you get a bonus. What? You're the, yeah, you get paid. You get like it's only it's not a lot, but you get this little. Uh, you've quit smoking, so you uh, you get this little bit of extra pay. And there are people who quit smoking, get a little bonus, and you know a couple months later they start smoking again, and they haven't got to give that money back, and it's infuriating. Oh, they have to give it back. They, or don't, they don't. They don't. They oh. just they just Ooh. keep it. Yeah, it's theirs. So next job you go to, Jay, just say yeah, I got a four pack of day <laughs> habit. <laughs> And then after a month, you're like, I can't do it anymore. And then get your bonus. Yeah, I'll try that. I'll have to try it. Just use a raspy voice for a month in case <laughs> insurance people follow you. <laughs> no, I, I, I do love when uh, when Pat's voice breaks. When he oh, it's so good. Under fire displayed by, by Captain Derry. His voice just oh. breaks again at that moment, having to say his son's name being written by, uh, by Doolittle, by Lieutenant General Doolittle. That's a huge thing, having Doolittle write yeah. that. I, I'd never heard of this guy. Uh, so oh, I'd, really? Doolittle's well, Raid? Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's American history. We don't get taught American history in the UK. So I, I did a little bit of research on him, and he sounds like quite a guy. Wait, you never watched Pearl Harbor? I've I've seen Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Doolittle's Raid is in that. But I don't. I didn't know. I didn't know it as Doolittle's Raid. Oh, uh, you knew it as Alec Baldwin's Crazy Mission. Uh, is, is that who he plays in Pearl Harbor? Yeah. Oh, I did not realize that. Okay, because I found there's a film called Thirty Seconds Over Tokyo from 1944, uh, which Ooh. is based on a book written by Ted W. Lawson, who was one of the pilots, one of the, the crewmen involved in Doodles' Raid. So he wrote this book about it. And Spencer Tracy plays Jimmy Doodles in 30 Seconds Over Tokyo. Wow. But it's like a cameo role. He's he's a huge build on the on the poster, and he's in a couple of scenes. <laughs> I mean, that, you got to do it, right? you got to. Spencer Tracy. Get butts in the seats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But, but just looking at looking at the history of of Jimmy Doodle, even outside of the military, he received the first uh, United States doctorate in aeronautical engineering, ever. Wow! Once in 1926, he broke both of his ankles, but still managed to put his P1 Hawk through aerial maneuvers with his ankles in casts. In 1927, he was the first person to perform an outside loop in a plane, so you're doing a loop de loop but where the pilot is on the, the outside track rather than the inside track, which before he did it, it was believed to be deadly. Didn't, no one thought he could do it and survive. And he did it. He went to a, a height of 10,000 feet, uh, reached 280 miles per hour. It bo bottomed out upside down, then climbed and completed the loop. So he just did that for the hell of it, I think. Uh, he was integral in uh, recognizing instrumentations being integral to, to flying. So if you can't see, you can still fly a plane so he put a lot of work into the improvement of using instruments to fly and was one of the first people possibly the first to fly blind fly completely using just instruments without a view outside of the cockpit in 1929 wow so you're saying he didn't do a little for piloting uh -huh. and plane he, aviation yeah, he, he did a lot he's jimmy do a lot yeah uh, like he set the world's high speed record for land planes at 296 miles per hour in 1932 
and then he wow. retired from uh, speed racing planes with the, given the quote I have yet to hear anyone engaged in this work dying of old age which yeah <laughs> president of the Institute of Aeronautical Science in 1948 he was he advocated for the desegregation of the US military like saying that basically just it's going to happen let it happen just don't don't get in the way just let people of various races be in the army together you're you know he was involved mm-hmm. with that it just seems like a real Seems like a, a good guy, even outside of the military stuff. <laughs> wow. So many medals. And imagine getting that. So, I mean, I know your son. Like, if you get a letter from Doolittle about your son's heroics during World War II, it's looking pretty good. Because, like, that Doolittle's raid, it just showed that we could reach Japan. So, or, the you know, the islands surrounding it. So, it's like, you know, some... It, that's all it was. It was almost like a suicide mission to just say hey we can touch you like you're not untouchable and it shocked the world it was huge news and that was Doolittle's raid dude was a maniac that's that's the speech that spencer tracy gives in 30 seconds of tokyo is like any any of you have uh families or anything that's going to give you any concern drop out now it's your duty to drop out now no one's going to think any less of you it's basically saying this is a this is a suicide run (laughs) um Wow. It, but but no no one steps down. Everyone stays with it because it's a war film, and that's what happens in war films. What if there's a guy in the back going like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good. I got a couple of kids. I'm married. I'm out of here. And he just walks. <laughs> My, the wife's pregnant with our third. I'm gonna. I'm gonna sit this one out, guys. <laughs> I'm just gonna. You guys. Oh, is that fun. coffee? Is that coffee over there? <laughs> oh, quiche. I'm off. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny if everyone comes back and the guy's just sitting there and going, oh, man. <laughs> How'd Maybe it go? Oh, good. Okay. Good to see you all. Can we just, can you say I was with you? No one <laughs> needs to know. No one was fine. It's all right. Yeah. Please. He goes and puts some, like, black smoke on his face and, like, dirt. <laughs> He's like, oh, that was a wild ride, fellas. I was in, I was in the other plane with, with the, the B group. We saw you guys. It's cool. <laughs> Doolittle's B-Squad. Like, is that quiche on your face? No, no. <laughs> debris. It's debris. Yeah, quiche debris. Quiche debris. <laughs> and so the, the award of the Distinguished Flying Cross, it's awarded for an act or acts of valor, courage, or devotion to duty while flying in active operations against the enemy to personnel of the Royal Air Force and other services. So I had a look at who else received these kind of things. Apparently they've given out thousands of them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't mean they're, they're worth any less. I don't want to. They're, they're still very very uh, valued. Imagine but... that you come home, right? <laughs> These awards have been given out for over a hundred years, which means if there's a thousand of them given out, let's give or take ten people, and some are honorary. So, ten people a year get it, and you bring it home, and people are like, ah, there's a lot of these. <laughs> well, there's there's a uh, a distinguished flying cross society which has over six thousand two hundred members. Wow, uh, but there are there are apparently thousands more who are not members who have received them. But uh, Jimmy Stewart uh, received one. Mm-hmm. I read about that. Actually, he received two his actions in World War Two, and Amelia Earhart was the first civilian awarded one. The right, the Wright brothers, the, the inflatable airplane pilot from Airplane was was it yeah one? yeah he got one. They pinned it on and it deflated him and they, <laughs> yeah they. <Sorry>. Uh, <laughs> They didn't. They didn't publicise that. Uh, George Bush, George H. W. Bush, I should say. The uh, he he got one 
for again for World War Two. So there's been some some notable, you know, famous people have received them outside of the army. John McCain. It's a good award though. I mean, this guy sounds like he owned it. Like he he was in shock. He was bloody. Fred was just lit up, and somehow he nailed his target. Just uh, yeah, I, I yeah. was trying to work out is that on the plane. So he's well, did he crawl back to his bomb site? That's on the plane. Yeah, I would say maybe he was in the back. Trying so to... Maybe they got shot at and he got wounded somehow in being shot at, mm-hmm. and the plane was still flying. I was trying to kind of work out how, like, because to me uh, his bomb site is a location somewhere on the ground, uh, but no, it's it's clearly in the plane. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, you know you watch Band of Brothers, yeah, or what Unbroken. Actually, the book of Unbroken is really good, but they were. I'm, I guess I'm not comparing the two, but these were massive just buses in the air that were getting schlacked by flak. And just, you know, you know what annoys me, too? I'm going to say it later on. We'll get to it. But the guy's like, yeah, I was, I was on the ground in a tank. And listen, tankers are, their life expectancy isn't long. I have a cousin who was a tanker in Afghanistan, Iraq. He, he ended up living. But, like, that's a tough, like, they're both tough jobs. But it's just interesting going, oh, well, I was on the ground. Well, you flyboys were in the air. But yeah, but... If anything happens to that plane, you're dead, or you're falling into enemy territory, or you're crashing in the ocean and sharks are eating you, or you have to fight the sharks with Donald Gleason. It's, I don't know, I got annoyed. But I guess everyone does that, right? You're a Chelsea fan, I'm West Ham. <laughs> you, try, you try and make your own achievements sound better than other people's, I suppose. Uh, I mean, it, the, every every aspect of being in, in warfare isn't fun. Everyone's got their, got their own problems, but I would say there are possibly more to being in the air than being on the ground. As you say, there is that, that height element. <laughs> you fall out of a tank, you might get a bruise. Uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you fall out of a plane, you might get a puddle. Uh, yeah. so you, you become a puddle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... Uh, but no, it's... It, once again, it's just another example of... I mean, he's just reading from a piece of paper. There's not much camera movement, but the scene works. I, I oh man, This movie's so good! So good. So good. Oh, man. And also, you forgot to mention that in 1967, Doolittle rode a snail from an island to back to his home in in the UK. So you forgot to mention that. I did, and I forgot to mention that he killed that tiger in the (laughs) 90s and then did whatever Robert Downey Jr. did in a recent film because I kind of refused to watch it because it looks terrible. Yeah, I can't do that. I forgot to mention all of these things. Then now, he, had, he had a daughter, I think, who carried on his his name and his ability. I, I haven't seen any of the sequels from the 90s. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, I mean, that's quite the achievement, right? I mean, yeah, he, yeah, that's, that's impressive. That's metal from airplanes to animals. Yeah. He's just working his way through the A's. <laughs> he just needs, needs to get that next encyclopedia. <laughs> Shit out for the B's. <laughs> what would it be? Um... Biscuits. He'll become uh, like the greatest biscuit maker in the world. Bananas. Doodle's biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> also, this scene with the bombing, It. I, I want to hear your thoughts about this, but I think my favorite moment in Last Jedi is when Rose Tico's sister ends up, like, she falls that long distance, then she kicks the thing, it falls into her hand, and she drops her bomb and dro- blows up that gigantic um, destroyer. That's yeah. quite the tense, tense moment in that. That's a pretty good bombing run right there. It is, it is. I don't want to say that's the best moment in the film, because it's very early on. And I don't want the film to have peaked at that point. 
you know, I, I do enjoy the fight sequence between Ray and Adam Driver, and yeah, that one's really good. Uh, uh, Snoke, yeah. Um, well, I know we some just lost about eighty percent of our audience yeah, who well. are extremely angry. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I I, Last Jedi and Wonder Woman 84 are infuriating people. I have I have yet to see Wonder Woman 84. Uh, People's not... lives are being wrecked, Jay, by Wonder Woman 84. They're sharing articles, they're mad, they're commenting on everything. Oh, gosh. Well... Sorry. That's fine. <laughs> but, but in terms of The Last Jedi, it's, again, I'm not on the side of... It's an amazing film. It's fine. It's still it's towards the bottom of my Star Wars ranking, uh, but I, I, you know I'd, I'd like it. Well, I, I like it more each time I see it. So those people who are out there hate it. Maybe give it another shot. Oh yeah, you might hate it less. Yeah. And I gotta say, I've never like no Star Wars movies have ever wrecked my life. Like I think yeah. I've enjoyed them all. I really have. But it's interesting how they went into that trilogy with three different directors and th- with three different scripts to be able to do what they wanted. It's just, it just blows my mind. Yeah, that's, that, that that's happened. a odd plan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's an odd plan. Wait, really? Yeah. This, this is what you're gonna do. Oh, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Oh, it's not working. Oh, okay. Who could have seen that? Reminds me of that Chappelle's show sketch where Rick James is stomping on the couch and he's like, "F your couch." Like that reminded me of like what Ryan Johnson did to J.J. Abrams <laughs> from there too. And that's not listen. I think he improved a lot. Like the Force Awakens is a, is basically a remake, but uh, he just stomped on everything J.J. did. Yeah, and, and, and then JJ funny. returned the favor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then they both make up things like, "Oh yeah, I didn't do that. I respected him, but this is why we did it." Yeah. Makes me laugh that they're both they just straight up deny. Yeah, These things <laughs> are blatantly on the screen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, going back to this, I, I mean, it, 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 I know it tells and it doesn't show, but I mean, there's really no way to film it. But I think it gives us more context into the restlessness of the character and. These guys came back under extraordinary circumstances, and then they're getting jobs as soda jerks. So, it's such a weird name. But it's, um, I guess you're jerk, jerking something? Yeah. The soda? It's, I mean, it's, is that where the insult came from? You call somebody a jerk because that's all that's the job they have? Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. Oh, you jerk. No, or they just like um, spicy food. Maybe. They just—they're really big fans of curried goat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> curry, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I do enjoy going over to the UK because there's so many more curry options. There are, yes. Oh, we're having—we're having one tomorrow. Actually, I'm looking forward to it. Nice lamb curry. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we seem to have wandered off track. That's, of these uh, three char- of the three main characters, which one would like a curry more? Al, Fred, or Homer? Um, I see. It's they're all different classes, aren't they? So yeah, I feel like f- I don't I don't know how big curry was in the forties in America. Uh, if they were if they were relocated to the UK, that's that's my input. Then I would say Fred, because it's a very traditional like you go out for a night on the town on the way home you grab a takeaway. So in many places it's a kebab, uh, a doner kebab, which is the most disgusting looking meat I've ever seen. I've never had one. It looks vile. No thank you. Uh, but often you'll also get a curry, and he he seems like a a night on the town kind of guy. Their friend and Marie said, so go out and they'd grab a curry on the way home or before they go out. So yeah, Fred, wow. I'd say Fred maybe maybe Homer with his parents. Sometimes they have like a takeaway night in and get a curry. Mm-hmm. I feel like Al Al is kind of above that. Curry isn't the upper class. The upper crust doesn't dabble with curry. Mm-mm. 
No. He goes home and eats, like, steak from the fridge. Yeah, if it was, like, a quail curry, then maybe. But... He washes down all his gin with yeah. some steak, leftover steak. Yeah. Yes. Al parties, though. He does. He does indeed. I'm a little disappointed we didn't get any Al minutes in our, our weeks, because I enjoy him as a character. Yeah. We have all Fred. All Fred. Nothing but Fred. Well, and Cliff. Uh, yes, of course, and Cliff. And the greatest burn in the movie. <laughs> We're going back to that. It's a week ago. <laughs> we have to Amazing move on burn. from the burn. I'm still stinging from it. <laughs> How do you think Fred feels? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, I think that's going to do it for, for this one. So, uh, as we said, we are the hosts of Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, and you can find us at Deep Blue Sea Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or just search Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, on everywhere podcasts can be found. And you can find the Best Minute podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or at the main site, thebestminutes.com, and find it on social media over on Facebook at Butcher's Place, The Best Years of Our Lives, Listener's Cafe, or on Twitter at The Best Minutes. Uh, so for today's chapter, I've been Jake Lewitt. And I'm Mark Hoffmeyer. And uh, listeners, join us here next time on The Best Minutes Podcast. Joe, you better hurry up out there because she's taking off soon. Right, thanks. Come on, Taylor.